You're listening to sermons from South Point Fellowship, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpointfellowship.org. Like me, um, it may be a little difficult because I can barely remember what I did an hour ago sometimes. Um, but what if you were to write down in list form every single blessing that you either asked or prayed for or thought about, said, thought somehow, shape or fashion, uh, and you wrote that down in list form everything that you asked for this week? Okay. What if you did that right now? Could you think of anything that you particularly asked? What then, what if God gave you every single one of the blessings that you asked for this week? Whether you asked him specifically or not, but he gave you them anyways. And he gave you every single blessing or good thought that you had this week. Man, it would be great if I had this. Man, it would be great if I had this. Man, it would be awesome if this were going like this in my life. And God gave you every one of those blessings. I wonder, would his kingdom look any different as a result? Like, how different would your family look at the end of this week if God gave you every single blessing that you would ask for? How much closer to the Lord would you be? In what ways would our church be edified, built up, grow closer together as a result of you having those blessings answered? Now, since those are my questions that I just came up with, I've had a little more time to think about that than you. And my answers are embarrassing. Because if I'm honest, uh, the blessings that I've hoped to receive are things like less traffic in McDonough. Uh, a little more disposable income, a better routine, less traffic in McDonough, <laughs> a cleaner house, more houses, more inventory to look at on Zillow, cooler weather, a self-cutting yard, less traffic in McDonough. Anyone with me? Yeah? So if God were to answer every single one of those requests this week, man, I would just have to say... I don't know how the kingdom would be increased. I don't, I don't know how different my family would look at the end of this week. I don't, I don't know how closer our church family would be as a result of those blessings. But here's what I love about the Sunday gathering of God's people. Here we are, together as his children, submitting one to another unto God's word, and we're just asking. We are begging God as his people to change us. Because the Lord, if anyone knows, it's the Lord how we've acted this past week. If anyone knows the depths of this heart, it's the Lord, right? If anyone knows the blessings that I've asked, it's the Lord. And so I'm going to go first this morning. God, would you change me? And I want you to hear as his people together that God is inviting us into greater relationship with him this morning. And we know that. We can be confident of that because he's given to us his word so that we would know more of him. 
And today we're going to be walking through Psalm 67. And in it, the psalmist also has blessing on his mind. But there's a twist, and I don't want you to miss it. God blessed so that he would be praised among the nations. As you find Psalm 67 in your Bible, and if you're able, would you just stand with me so that we would honor God's word together, and I'll read it. Psalm 67. The psalmist writes, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we work through the text, I want us to see three things this morning. And in particular, I want us to see three righteous ways to pray for the blessing of God. Because you, you and I know all too well how to pray for the blessing of God, right? I've demonstrated that just a moment ago, and you probably thought other things that you've prayed to be blessed by and with this week. But I want us to look in Psalm 67 at three righteous ways, if you will, to pray for the blessing of God. And the first is this. We pray, may God bless us so that all nations know him. Now, one of the beautiful things about God's word is that while there are 66 individual books, it's really one connected story, one overarching meta-narrative is the, is the big word, if you will. And so verses are always connecting to one another in some uh, shape or fashion in the Bible. Now, the psalmist here in Psalm 67, in praying the blessing for the blessing of God, takes us, the readers, back to a familiar passage in Numbers, chapter 6. When the Lord was giving instructions for Aaron and his sons, priests, to pray over the congregation of Israel. And so with that in mind, the psalmist prays, verse 1, look there again with me in the text if you're there. May God be gracious to us. Now, this isn't a specific prayer for the mercy of God, although we hope that God would indeed hold back from giving us that which we do deserve. But it's more than this. We're praying specifically, oh God, would you be gracious to us? Would you give us much more than we deserve? But it's more than that. Would you be gracious to us? Maybe, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. We're asking here, in asking that the Lord would shine his face upon us, we're asking that his favor would be toward us. We're asking, in essence, God, would you smile upon us as your children? Would you look down from the heavenly places? Would you just smile on us, your people? And then the psalmist writes, Selah. This psalm was written to be set to music, and so uh, m most biblical scholars think that this is some sort of 
pause, that we're supposed to get to the end of this particular verse and just let it sit in for just a moment, but not too long, because verse 2 is absolutely connected. I don't want you to miss this. The blessing of God doesn't come without the purpose of God. You see, God himself wanted the congregation of Israel to receive his blessing. He wanted them to feel his smile, that his countenance would be experienced through the land. But why, the psalmist tells us, why would creator God want a people who have been so wayward to receive his blessing? And that's where we are this morning, right? Just a wayward people coming in to gather as God's people and saying, man, I have really blown it this week. God, my prayers, if there have been any at all, have been so incredibly messed up and they've been filtered through so many circumstances, so many different trials, and I find myself just thinking, why in the world would a holy creator God ever shine his face upon me? Why would a holy God who knows me want to bless me? Verse 2, the psalmist says what? That, so that your your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Here's his purpose. And this isn't the first time that the scriptures in Psalm 67 in the middle of the Bible have spoken about this very purpose of God. Its pages are littered with God's glorious goal here. In fact, early on, the beginning of the Bible in Abraham Abraham chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, we meet a man named Abram at the time who we know as Abraham, beginning in verse 2 where God said to him, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed so here we get this idea of what the Lord is doing even from the beginning of creation until now and will continue to do it he's going to bless families of the earth 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And who is he? He's Jesus Christ. That's why it is through him that we utter, the text says, to amen to God for his glory. From the beginning of human history, God has been working to see that his people would know him. Here's the deal. If you are blessed to receive the gospel here this morning, if you would say, yes, I have faith in Christ Jesus. I realize what he's done. God has given me a tremendous gift. The text is telling us, it is compelling us, commanding us that we have been blessed so that the nations would know him. If you have faith, if you've been given a tremendous gift in Christ Jesus, you are to take the gospel out. God's blessing doesn't come without God's purpose. Now, we often think that the blessing of God has been terminated on us, don't we? Maybe we wouldn't communicate it that way, but I often feel that way, so maybe I'll just speak for myself for a moment. That sometimes I feel as though God has blessed me and that blessing has terminated on me. Now, I think God could give me more blessings, and I would be happy to take those blessings, 
but the blessings that he has given me, I feel as though sometimes, or maybe I act functionally as though those blessings have terminated on me. But the psalmist gives us a grander vision for the world. Because what the psalmist is saying is that if you've been given this very blessing of God, it's not just for you. Who else is it for? The nations. It's for every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people group. I've heard it said that the gospel has come to you on its way to someone else. If you've received the gospel by faith, you know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he lived the perfect life, a life that you and I could never live, that he died a death that you and I, because we're sinners, deserved to die, that he was buried and resurrected on the third day, proving that he conquered an enemy, sin and death, that we could not conquer. If you've received that gospel by faith and you aren't compelled to share it, we could at least say that you have misunderstood the nature of our missionary God. Could we say that together? That if, if we aren't compelled to go out and share the very nations experience his glory and he will not relent until they do. The stanza ends in verse 3 being repeated again in verse 5. Look there in the text with me. Verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. This must cause us to self-reflect. God is inviting me into, every single one of us, into greater relationship with him, and in that is blessing. In receiving God's blessing, how am I seeing to it that the nations know him and his saving power? How's my family seeing to it? that the nations know him? How is my church seeing to it that the nations know God? Are you waiting for a moment of greater blessing? Are you waiting for that time in life when things just become a little less stressful? When, when work gets to a place that we, we have it just under our belt just a little bit, things are tidied up, are you waiting for a particular moment? Maybe when school gets back into session, our routine is back on, are you waiting until then? Are you waiting until God gives you blessing in greater, me in me greater measure? Let's think about it like this. Have you ever thought, if I had $10 million, my the people I would bless with it? Anybody ever thought like that? No? Okay. Man, I, I, I could tell you a, a lot of people that I would bless with $10 million, okay? So if everyone wanted to pull their resources, I will just show you today. You know? $10 million, and I'm going to bless a whole lot of people. I'm going to go out on a limb here, though. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that the majority of us in this room don't have $10 million, okay? Anybody? Anybody want to challenge me on that? <laughs> most of us don't have $10 million in this room, but most of us, probably all of us, have a dollar, don't we? You may not have it on you. Maybe it's on a card. Maybe it's on your phone, whatever. Somehow, Bitcoin, I don't know. But you have a dollar in some form or fashion. Or maybe you have $50,000. Whatever it is, you have something right now. My question is, what do you do with your money now? 
Because, like I said, it's really easy for me to think about what I would do with $10 million and the blessings that I would send forth, rain down on my neighbors, friends, and family. But what am I doing with the resources that God has trusted me, entrusted to me right now, whether a dollar or 50000 Whatever it is, you have something right now. And whatever you do with your money right now will be reflective in what you do if you had $10 million. Whatever you do with your $1 now is going to be reflective in what you do if you have $500 later, children. So, so think about that. And that, that tells us what's going on in the middle of our hearts. We've been blessed so that all nations would know God. And so, the point being that if we think in this moment, God, if you would just bless me with more time in a few months, God, if you would just get me to a greater place of stability or rhythm or routine in my life, at that point, I will ensure that all the nations know you or that I am giving a better effort so that your name would be made great in the city of McDonough. And I think that if we were to drill down into our hearts, if we were to say, Lord, search our hearts, he would have us to see that whatever we're doing with the little now is what we will do if we had even more of it later. We've been blessed so that all nations would know God. Before moving on, I think it's important to address two things. The first, isn't it a bit prideful? Here's the question that comes a lot of times when we talk about a subject like this. Isn't it a bit prideful for all the nations? For God to want all the nations to know him? Don't you think it's a bit much, Chris? I mean, here we are in America, we can, we can serve the God of Christianity here, but don't you think it's a bit prideful of God to say that he deserves to be made known throughout the entire world, that all nations would know him, that he won't stop until every single person knows who he is? And the answer would be yes, if he were like us. But God is creator. He made us. He made you and I out of nothing. He didn't, he didn't need anything to make us. He's creator God. And if he's creator God, guess what? He knows about us. He knows exactly what we need. And you know what we need? The thing that we most need is to know our creator God. And so he knows that every single person on planet Earth for all time, needs to know him. The nations must know him. What we need is not more of anything else in this world but him. And second, if God desires us to be blessed so that the nations would know him, why don't I feel very blessed? I mean, let's be honest. While we may live in the most prosperous country in all the world, God still doesn't bless most of us with a life of ease, does he? Now, that's the blessing that I most often want, but it's the one that he seems to give least, isn't it? So in keeping with the tone of scripture about followers of Jesus, it seems to me that one of the most blessed things that we can be given by God is peace. Peace. 
Because in Christ, we are first blessed with a relational standing before God that we could not obtain on our own. And so when I think about my sinful state before God saved me, before God radically transformed me, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I was in sinful rebellion against him, a holy God, that I was dead in my sins, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. That there was nothing that I could do to obtain a life, a relational life with a holy God. And, he's, and yet, in our sin, he's given us peace. And second, God blesses us in extending a peace that transcends situations and difficulties that the watching world, hear this, that the watching world longs to have. I talked with a sister in our church this week about a, a difficulty that has been weighing on her and her husband for many years. And she said to me this week, I just, I just have a peace about it in this moment. The world doesn't have that. They don't have that. They can get power. Every single person on planet Earth in some way, form, or fashion can find money, albeit in different measure, something that every single person longs for, something that we are all looking for. God, if I could just have peace, and the Christian has it. And so situations may come in this life, but as you walk through them, know that peace is a great blessing from God. And when he grants it to you, know that it isn't for yourself only, but it is so the nations would know him. And the second righteous way to pray for the blessing of God is this. May God bless us so that all nations rejoice in his reign. Again, look at verse four with me. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Not only do the nations need to know of God's saving power, but they should be glad and sing for joy because God judges them and the word tells us that he rules the nations with equity. One of, one of the ways that Satan, our adversary, so often deceives the world is by twisting inherently good things. And can I just tell you that he has so many of us in this world right now with justice and equity? The cultural lie is that if we can get perfect justice here on earth, if equity can be dispensed at a political level, then we will have arrived. Right? But we fail in numerous ways in this thinking. One, if justice were to be perfectly displayed here on earth, every single one of us would be done away with. And two, Christ Jesus is the only one who can judge with ultimate fairness because he is the only one that knows the hearts and desires of men. Our prayers for justice are much like the demanding disciples. James and John, when they made a request of Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, and they basically said, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. He says, what is that? To which they begin to say, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus goes on to tell them that they have no idea 
what they are asking. They had misunderstood the nature of their king. It's always good that we keep our cards on the table as Christians, I think. There's nothing worse than going out and in the name of giving peace or telling peace, saying to everyone in this world that God loves them and has a wonderful plan for them. If you were to go to the nations today, if you were to go to a people that had never heard of the good news of Jesus Christ, they had no introduction, nothing about Jesus at all, they had no scripture to read from, and you were to say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, and you were to leave, you would be doing a tremendous disservice. Why? Because the reality is this, if you only hear of the good news of the gospel in this life, you are, e you are doomed for eternal damnation. So why then should the nations rejoice in the reign of a God who judges with equity and as a result sends some people to hell? Here's the reason. Because every single one of us are born into sin. Every single one of us are born with states that are in rebellion towards a holy God. And if judged right this second apart from Christ, you will be judged fairly. You will be judged righteously. And in that would be rightly damned. It started this way a long time ago in the Garden of Eden when our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned. And they sinned against God by eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right there in the middle of the garden. And as a result of our first parent's sin, we all have sinned. The entire human race is now in a fallen state. The Bible even goes as far to say that we from our mother's womb were born into sin. Our creator, God is perfect and holy. He has never sinned, nor can he sin. And because of this, we have a broken relationship with him. And any attempt of our own will to get back to him is futile. But God knew this. And he graciously planned a way back into relationship with him. He kept promising all over the pages of scripture. We saw it in Genesis. You see it in every single book. We see it here in the pages of Psalms. And in this particular Psalm 67, that he continues to promise that there is one who is coming. Finally, his son Jesus comes from heaven. He puts on flesh and he lives a perfect life. He then dies on the cross and he does so so that anyone who would believe in him, the Bible tells us, will have eternal life. But what's so incredible about the cross is that Jesus, who is God, went to the cross knowing no sin, having never committed any sin, and he took on every bit of sin of every single person who would ever believe upon himself. And he was judged righteously by his Father. What love God has for us. And so we rejoice in his reign because of what he has done for his people in Christ Jesus. And while he judges, judgment will not come to those who have trusted in him by faith because it's already been acted, enacted, and poured out upon his son Christ Jesus on the cross. John chapter 3, verse 18, a couple of verses away 
from the infamous 316 says this, whoever believes in him, that is Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. May God bless us so that all nations would rejoice in him and in his reign. We want others to know Jesus. We want others to experience what freedom from the bondage of sin in Christ Jesus looks like. John Piper says in verse five, when the psalmist says, let all the peoples praise you, he means let all the peoples know that there is a purpose of God's, of God. Then missions would be the most audacious and presumptuous enterprise in the world. But if it is true, then mission is the humble response of a people who love the lost. Friends, in humility, we should go and tell the world. And finally, we should pray, may God bless us so that all nations would fear him. Look there at verse six with me. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. On April 24th, 2000, a 93-page book was published that has since sold over nine million copies. And perhaps you've read it. I did. I don't remember much more than the title, and it was called The Prayer of Jabez. Anybody remember that book? It's okay if you don't. I'm going to explain it to you. The premise is this. It's, it's straight scripture here. That premise is. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. What a name. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from the evil one. And God granted his request. Now the author, Bruce Wilkinson, he said to begin that prayer for the next 30 days. And if you would pray that very prayer for 30 days, you would begin to see significant changes in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of significant changes in my life, I start to think about that list that I gave you at the beginning of my sermon this morning. All those significant changes, less traffic in McDonough, right? Wouldn't that be amazing if God began to make all those significant changes in my life? While all our hearts and minds are so easily attracted to prosperity, God wants it to have purpose. The God of the Bible has a grander vision for your life than you could ever come up with. Now, I can only conjecture at this point. I don't know. But I have to believe some of the, the success that that book received was because of the promise of incredible prosperity. If I can pray this prayer, then God will certainly give me that which I have been praying for. Before we jump and say that God doesn't intend for us to have any physical blessing, though, let's look again. This prayer for a blessing isn't only spiritual. It's physical in nature as well. Verse 6 speaks of a time of God's answer. That there was a fruitful harvest from God's blessing. 
that the earth actually did experience it, and it will experience it. We glory in the Lord for giving it to us if he does. But we must not let that be the conclusion of our blessing, you see. Again, if God is to bless us in physical ways, if God is to bless us in emotional ways or financial ways or ways that you would like him to bless you in, if he does, it should not be the conclusion of that blessing. Verse 7 closes with the final reason for God's blessing. It is that the ends of the earth should fear him. Another way to say that is that they know him. Oh God, would you bless me so that all the people in the earth, on the earth, would know you. And I have no idea all the things that God has blessed you with in this life. In fact, you may not even know all the ways that God has blessed you in this life. I would venture to say that we only know a small fraction of the ways in which God has blessed us in this life already and that the way that he is doing that in our hearts and lives right this second. It may do us very well to go and do an inventory of the ways that you have just seen God bless you in this life. The gifts, skills, passions, resources, salvation that God has given just you. And then as you come to a conclusion on that list, what if you add the gifts that God has given you in your family? And then when you come to a conclusion on that list, what if you add into it the blessings that God has given us as a church family? And we begin to make this list. God, look at the ways that you have blessed us as a people. Pretty soon, I'm guessing, that we would just be praising the Lord because of that list. God, look at the ways that you have been moving in and among my life. God, forgive me for not seeing these things clearly in the moment. My, how the Lord has blessed us. And ever so often, someone would start to do that pay it forward thing, you know? And uh, it was always a fun thing, fun thing to see. And uh, us as employees would always just say, okay, how, how many times is this one going to go? And I remember this one particular morning, I, I, was, I was telling this lady uh, after the, the line had been going on, you know, nine or ten times, uh, people had just been paying it forward, one car after another. Uh, some people get better deals than others, you know. And this lady stops and she said, what a blessing. I didn't even have money anyways. Now, no offense to you if you've ever stopped the chain, Okay. Because that's okay. There's no moral right or wrong on that. It's just a, a little pay it forward. But the point is, is that we, we so often take the blessing of God as it has been given from person to person to person. Think of the hundreds and thousands of people that have connected to you in your life if you were only to know them. The people that it took to get the gospel to you. You may know one person that it took to get the gospel to you, but think about the person that took the gospel to that person. And think, the, think about the person that took to get the gospel to that person. And think about the person that it took to get the gospel to that person. And we could continue on down the line. So family, would we not find ourselves here 
receiving the tremendous blessing of our missionary God, having faith in Christ Jesus, and just saying, my God, how you have blessed me so. And never seeing that individual that could come to know the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. And that that person, because they have been told about the good news of the gospel, the person that they would tell about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the person that that individual would tell about the gospel, let us not be a stopgap in a pay-it-forward chain. Let us not be just terminals in the blessing of God, but may we be conduits so that the gospel would continue forward. That's what the psalmist is saying. God, would you bless the nations so that they would know you? Would you bless me so that all of the nations would know? Thank you for the blessing of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace that you have extended. Thank you, Lord, for the food at this table. All of the many blessings in this life where we could just find ourselves just stopping and saying, thank you, Lord, for the blessing and doing nothing as a result of that blessings. But what it would look like if the family of God saw ourselves as conduits, recipients from the message of Jesus Christ, and it would change. We would be able to say, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of Jesus Christ. May I go to my neighbor and share with him the good news of the gospel. When I think about the peace that you have extended to me in Christ Jesus, may I go and continue in seeing that walls of hostility would be broken down. As I think about the food that we so often say, Lord, thank you for blessing us with this food. What if we saw that food as a conduit for the mercy of God to continue on to our neighbors? That we might be able to bring others around that table that God has provided to us so that the nations would be glad, so that they would be filled with joy in Christ Jesus our Lord. Danny Aiken asked the question in a sermon on the same passage that I'll conclude with. He says this, and I want you to think about it introspectively. May we ask the Spirit of the Lord to search our hearts this morning as we conclude. How do I, at this particular time and place, play my part in the great redemptive drama to see that God, my God, is known, praised, and feared among the nations. How do I pray that that would be the case? How do I give so that that would be the case? How do I go so that the nations would know him? Should I be the one who goes where no man or woman has gone before? Let us hear this. God blesses his people so that he would be praised among the nations. What if we left here knowing that this morning? How would our community look different? How would the world look different? 